0: Ah, Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Thornton in Westminster and Superbook Sports. J.J. Jerez, Erev Dean here with you on a Sunday Sunday edition of the podcast, right? Always a little bit more fun, always a little bit more in-depth. Um, Erev, I did a different little intro there because you're right. Last show, my voice and the music combined kind of left a little hiccup. So I tried to go with a hockey mountain high to make sure that we got all the letters enunciated. How'd I do? We might have to change it to hockey mountain low right now. Also, by hockey the way, <laughs> hockey mountain, holy shit. Everybody's hurt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like, we, I feel like we start every Sunday episode talking about how more people are hurt, but like, I'm not feeling good about this anymore, so let's let's talk about it. Right.
0: I mean, there, there's bad luck with injuries, and, and then there's this, right? I mean, there's a completely different level of bad luck with injuries. They're dealing with almost in the more than half the roster being a, a a Colorado Eagle player. I mean, most recently, I think we saw Arturi Lekanen. That was such a surprise during that Boston Bruins game, right? Because there's so many injuries already piled up. I'm just sitting there watching the game, and suddenly I hear Mark Mosier say, Arturi Lekanen. Is gonna be out for the rest of the game. I'm like, no, he that's a joke, right? That's somebody else he was talking about from last game. No, no, that wasn't a joke. Oh, okay. Well, let's keep going with this.
1: All right. So who was called up? Let's let's go right into that.
0: Oh, Charles Charles Houdon was just called up this morning, right? Okay. <laughs> so
1: so who the fuck's gonna play with McKinnon and Rantanen? Give me your I, pick. Is it is it new Is it foodie? Well, new hook's a center now because you lost Rodriguez.
0: You yeah you, you don't know you I mean I, I feel like if I'm Jared Bednar right he's probably gonna give I don't know a guy like Foodie the chance and keep him on a really short leash and if not he's just gonna plug in the next guy could be Hudon could be Alchenik yeah <laughs> any, and insert hunt. name here
1: yeah so so let's let's do this real quick and I know you you always have show written out and I'm probably going off the grid right now but let's say it's Foodie Foodie McKinnon Rannan Cogliano Confer O'Connor Galchenyuk, Newhook, Hudon, Hunt, Magna, Bleed. What the hell is this lineup? What's <laughs> left? What's left? What if twenty nine goes down? And then on defense, you know, there was a little bit of a period where Byram and Gerard were out, and then Gerard comes back, and now Manson's out. So you're back to Joey M- Jacob McDonald and-, and Andreas Engelin both in the lineup, but now you have EJ with Gerard, Makar with Tave. So you're missing that, you know, bigger body in Manson, but it's just it's getting. It's, it's like laughable how bad it is now with these two guys out. Manson week to week, so that means he's going to be out two months because his team doesn't know what week to week is. and who the hell knows?
0: Manson's a weird one because I don't think any of us really saw anything happen, right? I mean, and you can kind of pinpoint the injury to that body slam from Charlie McAvoy or whatever the hell that was. Um, I can't believe there's not kind of more hear discipline hearing for that because that was egregious but uh manson just kind of seemed to be a little bit random all of a sudden he just uh wasn't in the game right or it, was there I something i missed
1: i no 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 no. you didn't miss anything but i think it was the night before the game or maybe the morning of the game there was a period no no it was the night before where avalanche recalled andreas Engeland, and i said oh boy somebody's hurt <laughs> and I was like, yeah, watch it be Gerard, you know, kind of whatever was hurting him or ailing him is, is hurting him or, or ailing him again. And it turned out to be Josh Manson. I knew it. I knew as soon as, as soon as they said that they were calling up Andreas engeland I'm pretty sure it was Friday night. I can't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was Friday night because Saturday morning they had a morning skate where that's where it was announced that Manson was out week to week. As soon as they said Friday night that engeland is getting called up, I knew for a fact that. That it was an injury. And I also knew for a fact the injury wasn't Jacob McDonald. It was probably one of the starters. Because that's usually how it goes, right? I mean, no, no disrespect to McDonald, but like, yeah, Shane Bowers got hurt. But outside of him, it's the main guys are getting hurt. It's not Bowers in, Bowers hurt, foodie in, foodie hurt. Like it's Bowers in, Foodie in, Kout in. Obviously, Kout is sick. Insert another AHLer. insert another AHLer as the NHLers
0: continue to get injured. I mean, Andreas England did play the game against Boston. We saw him get in a fight with uh, Nick Felino. So, you know, that being said, I don't feel like you really missed Manson all that much. I mean, the the, the game is what it, what it was, right? A 5-1 loss is you can't just say, hey, a guy like Josh Manson would have made a, a world of difference in yeah. there. So, I mean, it, whatever happened happened there. But I mean, it's just to the point where there's nobody left on the offensive side. Right. I mean, you can plug and play a guy like Josh Manson for Andreas England. I don't think that's the biggest deal breaker in the world, but when you have zero firepower out up front and you're using those forwards that you just listed off, I mean, it's, it's just so difficult to find goals.
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for the Josh I mean, like Josh Manson is not the reason why they lost that game by any means. He's just another name added. But when the reason why the Josh Manson injury matters is because when you combine it with Bowen Byram, you're now down to your second D pair. So now what should be your third D pair, this team with the stack defense where EJ and Gerard are playing third line competition. That's now your second pair. And then you got a couple of AHLers playing on the third pair. So that's why it matters because when you combine it with Byram, it's a big deal. Granted, Byron and Manson playing that game, maybe they stop a goal or two, but they're not going to score for you. Maybe maybe Byron will get a goal here and there, but the offense is the issue right now, and what we've seen on this road trip is when McKinnon isn't putting up a 5-point night, the Avalanche have no offense, and I don't blame them. How many goals is Cogliano going to score for you? How many times is JT Comfort going to come out and have a 4-point night?
0: Yeah, and if you're the opposition, I mean, it's pretty easy for you to prepare for... Shutting down one line, right? I mean, that that that's really the toughest part. It's not so much that the guys on the Avalanche don't have the talent to win games. It's that the opposition has such a upper hand, especially if you're the road team, right? They know exactly what line you're putting out and exactly who to put out uh, to match it. it. It's it's really hard for your top line to get going when they're getting matched up that hard. So I really attribute the matchups a lot more than just saying, "Oh, these guys are talentless." Uh, they deserve to be in the AHL, no, because I think there's something to be said for that AHL mentality, right? The uh, outwork you, I'm here to prove myself. Um, I think it's it's more so just the inability to cancel out those matchups.
1: Yeah. So, have you ever heard the names? Let's see if let's see if you're this deep into hockey Twitter. Have you ever heard the names Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit?
0: no but those are hilarious names
1: okay so there was this tweet many moons ago when Pittsburgh used to have all their injury issues remember how Pittsburgh would have those years where like Crosby's injured Malkin's injured and then like Latang's injured then Gensel's injured and this guy and that guy and that guy and they'd call up these random ass names from the AHL and they'd insert them in the lineup and they'd put up 40 50 points so somebody tweeted I don't remember who it was they are like, the Pittsburgh Penguins are hilarious. On any given night, you look at the lineup, they called up some random guys named Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit, and they score a hat trick. Like, just completely out of the blue. So, you know, that's that's kind of the the starting point of, like, Connor Sherry, Brian Russ, even Jake Gensel, Zach Aston Reese, uh, uh, Redeem Zahorna, like all these random-ass Penguins players where they'll call them up from the minors, and they'll plug them into the lineup, and they'll continue to win. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because this is a longer, this is a much more deep-rooted issue with this team, and I know they just won the Stanley Cup, but I do got to kind of dig into this franchise a little bit. They're not good at drafting. They're really not. Like, when you look at the Avalanche's 2022 team, you got to hit on your big pieces, and they do. They hit on the first overall pick. They hit on the second overall pick in Landeskog. Uh, they hit on the fourth overall pick in Makar and the fourth overall pick in Byram. I will give them a ton of credit for hitting on the number 10 overall pick in Miko Rantanen because a lot of teams took players ahead of Rantanen that they wish they took Miko instead. But outside of that, this team that won the Stanley Cup was built on trade pieces, and that's not usually the case. Burakovsky was a trade acquisition. Kadri was a trade acquisition. Uh, Devontaev was a trade acquisition. Darcy Kemper was a trade acquisition. Nicolas Abe Kubel was a waiver wire pickup. Darren Helm was a UFA. Cogliano was a UFA. It's pieces and pieces, like in trade acquisition, Josh Manson trade acquisition, pieces upon pieces upon pieces that are not homegrown talent. It's an issue that this franchise has had and continues to have, where when you call up the 20-year-old kid that was drafted in the second round or third round, I think, 75th overall, from three years ago, on a lot of other teams, that third round pick is like, oh, that's our highly touted prospect that's going to come in and make a difference. For the Avalanche, it's John Luke Foodie where we have no expectations for him. I'm not saying he's a bust, not yet, by no means, like zero. But we have no expectations for him. When Martin Cout was called up, we think of Martin Kout as like, yeah, he's just this throwaway guy that's playing. But to other teams, the 16th overall pick is a valuable thing, but the Avalanche continue to have trouble with drafting. And that's why you're at a point right now where Martin Coutts has got very little points on the season. Dryden Hunt, 18 games, one goal. Andreas Engelin, five games, one assist. Jason Magna, 13 games, zero points. Anton Bleed, eight games, zero points. Galchenyuk, three games, zero points. Oscar Olsson, one game, zero points. Shane Bowers, 14 seconds, <laughs> zero points. It's a problem this team has where Joe Sakic has done such an excellent job and, and, uh, and Chris McFarland have done such an excellent job building a roster of players that they're acquiring in many different ways. But when those players go down, they got nothing to replace it with.
0: You know, last week you and I kind of spent some time talking about how Jared Bednar loves to rotate those call-ups, right? And every once in a while there's a guy that just has been working hard that gets called up and gets an opportunity. And maybe, you know, we we to- we spoke about it as a good thing, but maybe that's a testament to exactly what you're saying, right? I mean, I remember the days is. when Rocco Grimaldi was here and it was like any time – Somebody would go down in the avalanche lineup. You knew Rocco Grimaldi was probably the next guy called up. Um, I also, uh who else is a similar guy, right? Uh there, There's been Kiefer one Shearwood. recently. Kiefer Shearwood is exactly who I was going to say. last. You year, know how
1: knew... badly I wish this
0: team had Kiefer freaking Shearwood right now? Right. And so not only uh, do they not have those guys to fill those voids, but they don't even seem to be putting much attention to acquiring a guy to be that that typical call-up that guy that you can rely on because because
1: you don't acquire those guys you don't acquire somebody and say hey you sit in the ahl but you're nhl worthy and we'll play you when when we get injuries which we always do no you're supposed to have players you're supposed to have a pipeline you're this this is the way drafting works it's the same reason why this team every starting goalie in the team's franchise since mark denis who was a starter for like four minutes before patrick wall showed up and he wasn't even the starter stefan Fiset was a starter goalie because they don't that that they've drafted it's always someone they had to trade they traded for Patrick Waugh they traded for Jose Theodore they traded for uh Tommy Salo because you know Peter Buda was a homegrown talent if you want to call him a homegrown first starter uh they had to trade for Varley and then Gruby and then Kemper and now Georgie and obviously Theodore and before that Patty Waugh and all those names so like you know that's just the goalies and then when you look at the defense like yeah they drafted McCard they drafted Byram But they traded for EJ. They traded for Manson. They traded for Devon Taves. So, you know, that's three names right there. And then on forward, like, look at the lineup. Outside of the top line, pretty much everybody's a trade acquisition. Cagliano, Comfer. O'Connor was an undrafted UFA. That's a good find. I'll give him credit for that, just like Pavel François. But this team just never has that pipeline. And then what did they do last year to win the Stanley Cup? They traded Drew Hellison and Justin Barron. I'm not bashing those trades. Please nobody come at me for that. I am not bashing those trades. They traded Drew Hellison. They traded Justin Barron. Now those players are going on to Anaheim and they're going on to Montreal and maybe they develop, maybe they don't. But who's to say they would have developed if they stayed here? There seems to be a problem with the Avalanche developing young players that are not top overall picks. The only one that comes to mind right now that I could think of is Tyson Berry. And that was an excellent piece. But think of outside of Tyson Berry. Let's look at other defensemen. Stephan Elliott. There was a lot of hype around him. Chris Bigra. Uh, who was the other one? Nicholas Maloche.
0: About Duncan Siemens going way. Duncan
1: back. freaking Siemens. Thank you. Eleventh overall pick. Uh, there was another one that was between Z- uh, Bigra and. Uh, r- regardless, there was another defenseman that I'm thinking of. His name's not coming to me, um, but it happens over and over again. Jean Luc Foody, Martin Cow, Connor Blakely the bleakest of bleakly picks. Mm-hmm. Like it's just over and over again. They they can't seem to develop those guys. And it's why they end up trading for young 23 year olds like Andre Burakovsky that haven't been given a shot or Arturi Lekin that haven't been given a shot where you're like, wow, these players only put up 30 points on their other teams was their career high. And for Berkey's case, 26. Now they're in Denver putting up a lot of points. Well, yeah, that's a well-developed player that you're bringing in from another team that's stacked on the top of the lineup. It's not happening the other way. Like who from the Avalanche players of Martin Kautz ilk are getting traded to other teams and putting up 40, 50 points. It's not happening. We're doing it to other teams. The Avalanche are doing it to other teams, but other teams are not doing it to the Avalanche.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it, it doesn't help when you have a guy like Lucas Sedlak, right, come in and, and kind of hoping to bolster the depth of that lineup and then, you wave him And, and of course he's going to get taken, but like, cause I feel like any avalanche player that would get waved and gets picked up by somebody at some point. Right. So it's, it's hard for you to get your uh, one way guys back into the AHL. Right. So I was bringing up that Rocco Grimaldi example. So uh, I guess it's just, it's tough. It's tough to, to manage it for an extended period of time manage an NHL team like this. And suddenly I think you're right. The, Decisions of past might be coming to haunt you a little bit because you often have to give away a a draft piece to pick up a worthy piece to put into your lineup at that time. Right. So what they call a hockey trade, I guess. What,
1: Yeah. And and what I do like about what the Avalanche have been doing and mind you, look like this is only a this is not a conversation to say the Avalanche are a trash team or anything. This is just a deeper rooted conversation that sometimes you have to have. And now is a good time to have it but what i do like what the avalanche have been doing is all these players that they're trading they are genuinely re-signing the guys that they're acquiring like lekinin and manson weren't deadline rentals even if they were whoopty freaking do a million times because you want to stay on the cup but josh manson re-signed for four years and i know he's kind of had a rough stretch he had a rough stretch in the regular season last year we saw what he does in the playoffs. Arturi Lekkonen, can't speak enough good things about that guy. And he's young and he's locked up for four and a half million for the next four years. That's a hell of a deal and a hell of a contract for a top six forward on this team. So, you know, what's Justin Barron or drew Hellison going to do to your lineup when Lekkinen and Manson are everyday players, there's no issue with that. Um, But the reality is this team needs to start to develop that pipeline because we're going to realize really quickly, maybe faster than other teams, that what we're seeing happening with Washington or Pittsburgh or even Chicago a few years ago like that's going to start to catch up to you um and i know this team's only one year into the fact that they just want a stanley cup uh and they're one year into what looks like a five year window or so of of you know many many years of being a contender and winning more cups but if you don't have those players coming in and i'm 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 kind of like panicking in advance because this isn't a huge issue yet but if in two three years from now you don't have players that you can plug in for 800k 900k that were drafted in the second third and fourth round someone like sean barons for example as a as a defenseman um no forwards are coming to mind right now in the avalanches pipeline that's how tired i am right now but like if you don't have those players to plug in in the future that's going to be a problem because you cannot i know it's kind of like hilarious to say it out loud but like you cannot keep signing guys like Darren Hellman and Drew to one and a quarter million. You need prospects that can play that role for lesser than that. And I know the flat cap's going away, so that's going to change a lot of things. But you get the point. As McKinnon starts to make 12 and Rantanen starts to make more and Makar starts to make more and now Nachushkin's making six plus, then you're probably going to need a second-line center at one point. Actually, you will get a second-line center at one point because either Newhook's going to be good enough where he's going to be making six, seven, eight million or you're going to bring somebody else in who's making six, seven, eight You need to have these prospects in your lineup, and if you don't have them, you're going to start to scramble the UFA market for guys like Helman Cagliano, which is fine, but those guys are not always available. They are this time because you had them last year.
0: Well, and I guess that's what makes sense about the Avalanche always going after the NCAA free agent, right? I mean, we've Mm -hmm. seen that a couple times in the past years and kind of just – trying to put band-aids on what they're already doing. And I don't think it's a terrible strategy, but I don't think you're going to hit every time. And I don't think you're going to get all these free agents to agree to go to Colorado as often as you have been lately.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, actually, I kind of think the opposite of that. I think a lot of UFAs, as soon as you start to win, a lot of these college UFAs want to come to your team because it's a good team and a good program. Um, Where the issue lies is if you don't have spots for them. As much as we think, like, as much as a fan will sit back and be like, yeah, why would I sign in Arizona? Let me sign with the Avalanche. That's the Stanley Cup contender, and Arizona's a young up-and-coming, not even up-and-coming, the young team that's, like, tanking hard. But a college UFA who's 22, 23 years old looks at Arizona's lineup and says, I'm going to play 20 minutes a night. Looks at Colorado's lineup and says, I'm going to play seven minutes a night with Anton Bleed.
0: Which or, one would you or looking at how often they get injured. I might get 20. I'm going to be playing
1: <laughs> on the set. No, no, no. I'm going to be playing on the second line with Anton bleed. Cause we'll both be up there by the time these injuries rack up. So like, but that's the thing. So many UFAs do that. The good thing with the Avalanche is they're getting to a point where there's going to be some turnover. If you remember like the capitals, you know, the capitals didn't win, but they had their secondary pieces where guys like friggin' what Frolov and, and you know, that generation, um, And then it became guys like Oshie and, you know, eventually Burakovsky and players like that. So like your secondary group changes for the Penguins, it was Talbot, it was Kennedy, it was uh, Jordan Stahl. And now it's like Gensel and Rust and whatever, like those complementary players. So like the Avalanche are going to have a bit of a turnover here coming up. Like JT Comfort may or may not resign if he might go. Helm and Cagliano, we know they're at the end of their careers pretty much. Uh, Logan O'Connor is here for the long haul ish. Uh, obviously, your top five are here for the long haul. Alex Newhook, who the hell knows right now? They're gonna bring in a second line center. EJ's coming to the end of it. Um, Bo and Byram and Devontaves both need new deals. Maybe they keep one. Maybe they keep both. So like, there will be turnover. Where if you can find these UFAs and you can sign these guys, you know they'll, they'll want to come here because there's an opportunity. Uh, you know, look no further than the guy that the Vancouver Canucks signed out of Russia last year, Andre Kuzmenko. He went to Vancouver because Vancouver gave him an opportunity and Andre Kuzmenko has played 24 games. He has 11 goals and 21 points. He's a 26-year-old who, by the way, is a pending UFA this summer, funny enough, but the Avs don't need another left winger. But like those kind of guys will want to come here if you have an opportunity for them. So if you're struggling to draft and develop 18-year-olds, at least find the 21, 22, 23-year-olds like you have in the past with Logan. Uh, You know, you tried it with Dominic Toninato, uh, Pavel Frantzos, guys like that
0: the supporting cast if you will alexander kerfoot just the uh, the guys that help the uh, the stars yep the core I like to call them the supporting cast. Uh, Let's take a quick pause here, talk about our friends over at Superbook Sports. Of course, we already know that Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wager into the palm of your hands, and now they will still match up to 100% of your first bet, up to $1,000. Deposit that money and get free money, guys. It's a no-brainer. No matter if that bet wins or loses, you still get matched 100% of your money. So you don't have to be at the stadiums to enjoy sports this fall. Visit Superbook.com. Or download the Superbook Colorado app now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem 1-800-522-4700. 100% match. You don't need a promo code. You don't need anything. Just hop on, get some free money, make some bets, and have some fun. It makes makes a night-to-night more livable, I guess. (laughs) More exciting, more entertaining. that brings me to the question simply of what do they do now, right? I, I specifically look at that power play unit. We talked earlier in the season and we keep bringing up the time. I asked coach Jared Bednar, how tough it is with that power play two unit, just plugging and playing guys that don't necessarily have much comfort in that role. Well, now he's going to have to start doing it on the power play one unit. I mean, it kind of already was all season long, right? It started with Nichushkin being in Landis Gog's role and then I think they kind of suck him going guys. down, right? He <laughs> just went down and started, they started cycling some guys right now. Yeah. Comfort has that position, but now Lekkonen falls out of the power play unit. So I guess what would you do if you're Jared Bednar? Cause your next option is really guys that barely should even be on power play too. It's
1: you play the hand that's dealt and this is the hand that's dealt and you just pray to God that you're, that your that your top guys can can do their thing like the avalanche are they're already in ltir they're up to 85 million dollars in cap because of ltir you know the salary cap limit right now is 82 and a half. uh they're 4.5 million dollars into ltir right now and that would all get figured out as soon as guys get healthy if i keep saying if because got her our- but uh, yeah. you muted yourself Got a little muted there for a sec, but yeah. So um, the biggest thing with this team right now is like, what can you do? Can you go out and find help? What kind of help can you find? So have you seen the Toronto Maple Leafs line up lately?
0: Uh, not too in depth.
1: Yeah. So the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, here, let me pull up their line chart really quick. The Toronto Maple Leafs had injuries, I believe, to Morgan Riley, to, uh, Jake Muzzin and then another defenseman whose name is escaping me right now to the point where their defense right now, Mark Giordano and Justin Hall, Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Liljegren, Mac Hollowell, and Victor Mete. And the reason why I bring that up is because when the Toronto Maple Leafs started to get all these injuries mounting on their decor and you're like, this is not the same team anymore without, without these guys. They went out and looked for help and you know who their help ended up being. Did you see who they traded for recently? Yeah. Who was it? Connor Timmins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are the kind of guys that are available. So, like, who can Chris McFarlane really bring in right now? And no disrespect to Connor Timmins, but he's not going to come in and be Morgan Riley. Who can you really bring in right now and be like, all right, we lost Lekinen, Landis Landeskog, Evan Rodriguez, and Valerie Nichushkin. Have no fear. Here is a forward version of Connor Timmins. Like those guys aren't available. So like you literally just have to play the hand you're dealt. Nathan McKinnon's got to go Superman. Like Nate, you're already the best contract in the NHL this season, making 6.3 still. We're going to need you to be a little bit better. Miko, no more nights off. You put up 14 points in four day games. Every single four games, there's no more four-game stretches of four points. You got to put up five, six, seven, eight every four games. Georgiev and Frankie have both had rough outings in their last two games. For Frankie, it was the Vancouver loss, and then it was yesterday against the Bruins. For Georgie, it was the Buffalo win, letting in four goals, and the Winnipeg loss, letting in five goals. They're going to need to pick it up. Kyle McCarr is going to keep needing to put up points. Sam girard has got to find that offense. He lost a year and a half ago. Nobody can be a passenger anymore. And I know that's a very generic thing to say, but now even more so. It's not that nobody can be a passenger. It's that everybody's got to be better than they usually have been. Like you got to play the hand you're dealt, and this is what you're dealt.
0: That's kind of why I brought up that AHL mentality, right? I think having this many AHL guys and having that something to prove mindset, I think can, can do a lot of benefits. I kind of feel what they really need to pray for like you mentioned, is another COVID outbreak, right? I mean, that's kind of how it went last (laughs) year, I feel. And I I went back and looked back. It was December 17th, if you remember. And they had a couple weeks off and kind of allowed them to get healthy, allowed some guys to recover from COVID. And they came out of that extended holiday break, we called it, a, a little bit healthier. This year, they only have three days for their quote-unquote holiday break if you even want to call it that so it's going to be a lot tougher uh, to to navigate this month of december that we've been so eagerly awaiting Um, i guess we didn't understand that the circumstances were going to be like this
1: yeah remember when we came out of that covid break last year and we were back on zoom calls and we're like this is fucking stupid
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was a year ago it's so wild um i got one for you though Lately, I think just this weekend, we even heard that the the Vancouver Canucks have given Brock Besser and his agent permission to seek a trade. So I know he's making $6.5 million AAV, but is there a move that you maybe want to see the avalanche go for a guy like Brock Besser? Not saying that I think so. Just throwing that idea out there. No, because this team needs centers
1: like there is there is wingers that can play center and I know you've brought up Miko Rantanen in the past but Miko Rantanen when you take Miko off the wing and put him at center you're making him a lesser player like if we're speaking in EA Sports NHL terms I don't even know what Rantanen's overall is but if you're playing Rantanen on the wing he's a 95 if you're playing him at center he's an 88 there's no point to do that there's no point to do that to a player like Miko he's very valuable as a 95 overall winger to shift him to center but regardless there's wingers that can play center um Besser's not one of them. And I go back to the point that you need a winger. Yeah. You want to have somebody on the third line because, you know, right now you have what Comfer with Rodriguez and probably new hook as your third line winger, just like he was last year, which is fine. Uh, as long as on that line though. Yeah. Which is fine. As long as you go out and trade for another centerman to play line two center, because you know right now if the avalanche were fully healthy and what a dream that would be one of new hook or rodriguez would be playing second line center so comfort would be with new hook or you know comfort would be with rodriguez and what galchenyuk is what we talked about last week so like you do need another winger if you're not going to bring in a second line center but that winger would be more of a third line winger but a second line center is more of what you need so uh brock best or no his teammate Bo, absolutely <laughs> so Um, I know Brett Besser is the one on the market right now. And, you know, I mentioned Andre Kuzmenko coincidentally, one of his other teammates, I just can't see the Avalanche trading for a big salaried winger right now. I would see him trading more for a depth guy.
0: Well, I think the other caveat to that is uh, you probably have to send back a defenseman. Do the avalanche really have a defenseman to spare right now? No. Uh, no. So, I mean, if that was a, a something to happen, it'd have to wait. So it wouldn't really be relevant to fixing their current situation. And and again, it's kind of overpriced. You don't really want to want to overpay for a guy like uh, Brock Besser, but just yeah. a conversation out there in the NHL world that we have to have here. on this Yeah. Podcast. And then
1: you have to remember that you got to make the salary work anyway. So, you know, Gerard would probably have to be part of. Like there's just there's too much there where you you just the Avalanche's focus has to be a second line center and you know whether it's Jonathan Taves or Ryan O'Reilly or Bo Horvat or something else you got to go to that level of player.
0: Indeed, indeed. So yeah, I mean any other ideas of what they can do now because again <laughs> I mentioned the power play is now uh, a bit decimated. That was one thing that was really keeping them afloat. You mentioned the goaltending hasn't really uh been up to par lately that was one thing keeping them afloat and you've also brought up if nathan mckinnon doesn't have a big night seems like the avalanche don't and have a night at that's all. that's
1: been what we've talking about every single time so every single time altitude starts their podcast and they have the three keys to the game mm-hmm. every single fucking game should be the goalie making a save the power play scoring a goal <laughs> yeah. and the nathan mckinnon line putting up points which and nobody nathan, getting hurt which yeah which now the nathan mckinnon line is just miko and nate So those are the three keys and those are the three things you have to rely on. There's, there's nothing else you can do. Jared can't pull a rabbit out of his hat for this one. I'm sorry. Like you have to, which he can actually, yes, he can. He can try to create more defensive minded lines. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you get Galchenyuk and bleed and Dryden hunt to be more defensive and let them play a more defensive role so that you can, you know, put them up against top line competition and have Nathan McKinnon's line you know, go ham on second and third line competition. But like, you just, you don't have the reinforcements for that right now. So it's, you just got to do what you've been doing. But, you know, we were talking about this two weeks ago, it was with Rodriguez and Lekkanen. Now it's no Rodriguez, no Lekkanen. So it's just, it's getting harder as these guys go down, but you just got to stick to that game plan.
0: Yeah, they just got to stay afloat in the standings, right? I mean, they have games in hand, but right now they're in that second wild card spot. But again, three games. It's in a hand. bummer
1: that they have games in hand because if they had, they played a lot of games in October, mm-hmm. at least those games would have been with their top guys. They would have sure. won a bunch yeah. of them and had a lighter December. They're going to their toughest stretch of the season. And Charles Houdon's about to jump into the a... lineup.
0: Yeah, so stay afloat and try not to cry in public if you're Jared Bednar. Just, just do it behind <laughs> closed doors. Uh, I don't know how how he's holding it together, right? I mean, he's I want you be next time. Next
1: anybody. next time we're in a presser, look at Jared. Was just like that, you know, this ugly ass smirk I'm giving right now. I'd be like, hey, Jared, how is that second PP unit looking now? <laughs> so hey,
0: Jared. He can be like, how are you keeping it together on the bench? How are you not breaking out in tears?
1: Jared, how is McKinnon not? screaming every day in the locker room because we know he's so pissed that his guys are missing. It's just, it's so bad right now.
0: It's bad. It's rough. Um, Let's see. What else? Anything else you want to talk about? Hockey related? Thank God you said hockey related because I was going (laughs) to be like, yeah, the World
1: Cup. Uh, No, that's basically it. Let's not go too long because we're just going to continue to drag on injuries, injuries. You know, the same topics we just right through in 30 minutes i
0: mean that's been this season so far right it's either a podcast about Georgiev, a podcast about the play the power play and nathan mckinnon or a podcast about injuries so hopefully we can break that rhythm here soon because it's getting rough and it's got to be exhausting as a fan just man when are we going to see our team again but let's talk about our our uh, buddies over at total beverage guys everybody knows total beverage in westminster and thornton sure total beverage has an incredible selection of beer wine and spirits But I know all these listeners out here already know that they deliver. Everybody out there knows that they have curbside pickup available. And I know you guys know they they do online wine education classes. And if you don't know, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, Yeah, Arif, I guess you kind of... uh, spoiled it there it's it's world cup time so as always for our non-world cup fans which i i don't know how you can be a non-world cup fan in this year's world cup but go ahead and pause it now if you so wish
1: yeah it's been a great world cup up until the round of 16 and that was very much expected as soon as you saw the games it was a lot of one team is a lot better than the other team there are some games that are going to be fun Uh, i think spain morocco is going to be a lot more competitive than what we've seen so far I think Japan and, uh, oh my God, I'm trying to Croatia. Croatia. Thank you. Japan and Croatia is going to be a tough game as well for both teams. Um, But what we've seen so far, uh, France-Poland, England-Senegal, Argentina-Australia, and the first one was Netherlands-USA. It's one dominant team and a lesser quality opponent, and the dominant team has blown them away.
0: Yeah, but I think what you've seen, though, is the lesser quality team kind of dominate play for the first portion of games and kind of missed yeah. opportunities. I think that's really the difference that you're seeing between what makes a champion or, or just a contender is just that ability to capitalize, right? Cause you saw us early on have that opportunity from a uh, Pulisic. He did terribly and hit the goalie with it. And then England <laughs> comes down and just takes over the game. You saw the same thing in Senegal or Senegal not England, had the same thing. Sorry.
1: Poland, Poland had a couple as well today against France in the early parts, Another but thing. it's funny. Uh, yeah, but it's funny, every single, every single game, well, not every single one, but like a lot of the, it's been very similar. It's, you know, USA gets this little bit of a strong start. Netherlands scores two goals, USA, and then they park the bus USA scores one and they go, ah, we're just going to add another one. And then it was the same thing in the Australia, Argentina game. So like, you're starting to, it's a lot of good teams resting their players, parking the bus kind of not putting a lot of energy into this match because they know the next one is, is going to be tougher. And lo and behold, Argentina's taken on Netherlands, France, and England. It's, it's going to be a fun next round.
0: Yeah, that's kind of also what you see, right? Those underdog teams kind of come out and, and expel a little bit too much energy early on. And you yeah. see the the more quality teams be patient and let them run around and let them burn themselves out and and uh, ultimately take over the game. So, yeah, we'll see what we have um, coming up in the rest of the World Cup. I'm excited to see it. You know I'm ready for that Spain game, and, and I'm with you. Morocco, um, not exactly a international superstar as far as the rest of the teams, but they definitely have some players, right? um and spain often kind of underachieves as we saw in their last game against japan so uh yeah a lot of a lot of good a lot of good soccer still left to play i think what we've got two weeks still to go um yeah until the final so uh got two more weeks of world cup hockey talk here on hockey mountain high yeah
1: i'm excited for it again it's weird to have the world cup this time of year but it's it's been so much fun i'm adjusted
0: now i'm, I'm all about it yeah and then that's what's nice is we jump right back into the swing of regular league and champions league but We won't do a Champions League portion once that begins. I promise (laughs) we'll spare you guys. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess this is a good place to call it a night. Eric, what do you think? Sounds good to me. Um,
1: Monday in Philadelphia. And then we got a couple home games next week, Wednesday and Friday as well. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there's a lot of games, man. A lot of games coming up here with not many players left. So.
0: Some of that, some of that home cooking might be uh, just what they need though. Right. Yeah, they quite yeah. the stand coming up. Yeah,
1: they're they're going to, the fans are, you know, those tacky lines that you always see teams say like, well, you're the fifth line. You're the 13th forward. A fan might literally need to be the 13th
0: forward because they
1: don't have one at this point.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I guess uh, here's a, here's a perfect place to sp- stop. Ooh, especially as I stumble through my words here. So if you made it this far on the podcast, bless your heart guys. Let's make hockey for everyone. We'll see you later this week, we got you.